Lord, we just thank you for your loving kindness and goodness to us. We thank you for all that you've done for Randy and have brought him along through the years and used him mightily to minister your love and grace to many, many people. And just the example of his perseverance and his determination to continue ahead and not allow the handicaps that uh, he faced in life to deter him from what you would have him to do. We thank you for that. And we pray now that you'll anoint him mightily to minister to all of us uh, that that you've laid on his heart for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good. And uh, I love uh, being able to give opportunities to share from the Lord. I had a little trouble this morning. And I had some technology with my eyesight. I rely a lot on technology. I teach uh, technology to blind people all throughout the week. And uh make it a real honor and privilege to be able to help these uh God has always given me the the ability to and gift to just help people. And so any one thing you know about technology is it doesn't always work <laughs> the, the way you, you think it should work. And so here I was this morning and getting ready to do my uh notes on the iPad and it's just going doing all kinds of things. And, and uh, Jonathan come and says, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting your PowerPoint uh, slideshow to work. And he said, well, I'm working on it. And so hopefully he's able to get that to work. Their software uses a little different uh, program than the PowerPoint. And so I wasn't aware of that. And uh, so, yeah, I'm excited about that because that means that God had something special for us this morning. And uh, so we're going to just uh, move forward in all that. Now, as you probably noticed, I didn't. My toilet paper is not uh, to blow my nose or to wrap my face, you know, cover my mask or anything like that. Uh, I'm going to use it as an illustration this morning. But I was thinking about this illustration. Isn't it amazing that back in March, when uh, this coronavirus broke out, this became the most sold out item in the grocery store. And I find that amazing. Man, I would have thought maybe ice cream or something. You know, or maybe uh, turkey lunch meat. My goodness, but toilet paper? We, uh, in regard to serving on the council, and I want you to know that our council is in unity. And we're trying to set aside every personal idea of what a pastor is and represent you as a church body. And so we really need your prayers. And we're relying on the Holy Spirit to guide us through this. And I know you are as well. So continue to pray for the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. We, I kind of picture it as the twelve, uh, as the apostles had to replace Judas as one of the apostles, and they prayed, and they prayed for the Holy Spirit to give them guidance and direction. And so they cast lots. They came down to two people and cast lots, and one of them was chosen. And so I don't think we'll be casting lots. Uh, but 
we totally rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. So, as we have two candidates that we will be interviewing, so this is a good week to really be praying for us. Just know we represent you. And, and also, as we look around, and I, for you people that are Zooming, we want you to know that you're a part of our church body. I can't see where you are. You can see me, probably. But I can't see you, whether you're in the living room, bedroom, wherever you're at. But I tell you what I can see, and I don't see it through my fleshly eyes, but I see your faces in, right here in the pews. Uh, you know, we got spot. It's, not, it's kind of funny how we all kind of pick a spot, and that's our spot, you know. And, and that's where we usually sit. And I know that we all kind of do that. We get comfortable with that. And, uh, and so I see your faces here. So just, just know that I, I, I see it in my mind and I see it in my heart that you're here. And so you are valuable to us and you're still a part of our church and uh, we completely support you. So we love you, Zoom people. Okay, so... What I really feel really excited about this teaching, for the last eight months, uh, me and my son Tyler have been going on uh, a daily walk. It's about an hour walk. It's a four-mile walk. We go through the, uh, the nature walk there on Wintergreen and Duckerville Road. We go through that every day. It's probably about an hour walk, but we have truly experienced the presence of the Lord in our walk, and it's all about our relationship with Jesus and uh, praying for the world, praying for you, and it's the highlight of our day. We, we so look forward to those moments. We know that the presence of Jesus is with us, and I share all that with you because on those walk, we uh, went through a book together. We've been going through quite a bit of books together, and most of them are written by John Bevere. But one of the books we've been going through is called Eternity, uh, Driven by Eternity. And so we have been talking a lot about that, a lot. And it has really encouraged our hearts, really motivated, especially in our society today, things that are going on. We believe this is a powerful message that we really need to get a hold of. And so Tyler's going to come a little bit later and share as well from a young perspective on the Driven by Eternity. And so the title of our message this morning is A Worldly Perspective Versus Eternal Perspective. And there's a, there's a total difference in that. And then this match is for, is for believers. So I am trusting that all of you are believers here this morning. And so I believe that uh, this match is, is, helps us to focus more about what God is doing in our life today and in the future. And so how we should respond with everything that's going on in society. So let's uh, 
get started. And before we do, let me just say a short word of prayer. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that Your Word is alive and well within us, Lord. And Lord, we thank You for the matches that You place in my heart and in my son's life, Lord. And we just pray that You will uh, help us to speak that with a word of encouragement. The word that you want the church body to hear today, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. You will accomplish your will today. And we totally rely on your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So our text this morning is Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 17. It is kind of long, but bear with me because it's, it has everything that we want to touch this morning. And I want to start speeding it up and move through it a lot real fast here. So, starting with verse 1. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an adulterer worshiping the things of this world. Because of these things, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things while your life was a still part of this world. But now the time, now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, you don't. it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. He lives in all of us. Can you say amen to that sentence? Christ lives in all of us. Christ is all that matters. Amen. That's enough to get excited about right there. All right. Continue on. Since God chose you to be His holy people that He loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make an alliance for each other's fault and forgiving anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as member of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the matches about Christ in all of its richness. Fill your life. Teach and cancel each other. And this is where it kind of messed up. Let me see if I can can't get that last part. The last part is just working for me. You finished the, back, the last part of that. So here's the matches that God wants to tell us. He wants us to not be worldly people, but to be eternal people. That we represent Christ in everything that we do. Let's not focus on the things of the world, but let's focus on eternity. On things that 
God wants to do here and now. God is always working. He never has stopped and He never will stop. And a matter of fact, He is always fully at work. And so, I kind of took my points that I wanted to make and I put it in a game. How many have ever watched uh, the Family Feud game? Yeah, everybody's kind of watched Family Feud game. Now, I know we don't have time to play that game. I wish we could, but we don't have time to play that game. But what I want to do is take these points that I want to... It starts with a question, and then it gives you what the survey says the answer is. Well, the answer that we have that I want to present to you this morning is not what the general public survey says, but what the Bible's survey says. Okay, so we will look at each one of these questions and we'll see what the, the Bible survey says on it. So look at the first question. And it says, what does the world fear the most? And the Bible survey says, number one, death. That's one of the most things that uh, the world fear the most is death. It's on the top of the list. As a matter of fact, people fear death so much they don't even want to think about it. Trying to avoid thinking about it. One of the worst places that people like to go to, if you to ask them, and you say, what is the number one place you don't like to go? You know what they'd all say? A funeral. A funeral. Nobody likes to go to a funeral. You know, and so death is a, is a fearful thing. And number two, loss of control. And we, we, the world gets so wrapped up in this because everything that's going on in our society now, we don't put a lot of trust in our government anymore. We don't put a lot, everything that's going on, we know there's lies. We know there's all stuff going on. And so we don't trust anyone. We don't even trust our, our boss at work and everything. And so there's her. Here's what has rise that I have noticed. Maybe you have noticed this as well. Is there is a need to be in control. I've got to be in control. And I don't know why that had surfaced uh, so uh, as a high priority, but I think it, it all comes out because of fear. Fear of not trusting our society. Number three, the Bible survey says loss of possession, money, land, homes, cars, and especially things that are, that are going on now. That's a worldly mindset right now. I need to be sure that I can keep my house. I can keep my car. I can keep these possessions that we have. So there's, those are worldly things they think of. The Bible survey says number four is sickness, disease, cancer, um, heart attack. These are things that people fear. The, the world that people fear is sickness, disease. Number five is damaged reputation. You care what people think. And, uh, you know, people... They go, you go around and you you uh, always are on edge. I, what does a person think about me? 
Now let's look at eternal perspective. What did the eternal people fear the most? Number one, they fear God. A healthy fear of God. Not one that that is uh, afraid that God's going to strike them down. But a, a fear that you are a holy, reverent fear of stepping out of God's will. Which is what we'll see next. Is Number two, disobedient. Not doing what God has called you to do. Here's a, that's a, as born again Christians, we, we want to make sure that we're doing what God has called us to do. Man, number three is falling into sin, backsliding. Now we don't, we know that the Lord is faithful and He's just and patient and He always forgives us of our sin, but we're still practicing righteousness. Amen. We're still practicing to live our lives in a, a manner that's pleasing to the Lord. And so, complacency. How I many you know that if you're not going forward, you're probably going backwards. There's no such thing as standing still. And uh, one thing that we don't want to do as Christians, born-again Christians, is to get to a place where we're just satisfied. We're satisfied with our relationship with the Lord and we just become stale. God wants us to continue to press on. Continue to strive for more and more. We know this is the message of Paul. Paul said that I keep striving. I have not obtained it yet. But my race is to continue to strive for more. Number five, we, we're concerned. We fear for our friends and our family that don't know the Lord. That, that is ingrained in our heart. We want them to come to the salvation knowledge of who Jesus is and have a true relationship with God. Okay, So now that the worldly characteristics, number one, lust, sexual immorality, adultery. We see this going on, the homosexuality, all the stuff that people lust at. We see it in entertainment. In our TVs, number two, uh, greed, covenants, never, never satisfied. We grieve for what somebody else has. We want it, and we never can have enough. We continue to strive for more. These are worldly perspectives. Uh, number three, dishonesty, manipulation, deception. We see, we hear a lot of that going on. A lot of lying, a lot of not telling the truth. And it's all moved around to try to manipulate people. How do you know the media is really trying to uh, twist the truth to get you to believe something that's not true? Amen. We see that going on all around us. Uh, number four, hatred. Anger, filthy and foul language, hate what is good. Did you know that what's really going on in the world a lot is that there's a real hatred for Christians. There's real hatred for what is good. We see that. Uh, it is, it is all this, you know, terrorists, all this tearing down buildings and that. It just 
Do you sense a real hatred in our society today? It's going on, isn't it? So these are all worldly perspective characteristics. So number five, focus on worldly things. We've already kind of talked about it. We look for survivals. Look for ways that we can uh, survive all of this that is going on. Now let's look at the characteristics of eternal perspective people. Number one, focus on the heavenly things where Christ sits. We want to focus on Him. He is. We don't want. It. We want. It. We don't want the world to creep into our environment and infect the way we think and what we view. We want to keep focus on heavenly things. Number two, to be like Christ. Christ lives in all of us. Can you say it, man? Christ lives in all of us. We, Christ moves in all of us. He is. We need to be united in one another. We need to release each other in gifts. Number three, humility. Tenderhearted, kindness, and gentleness. That is our heart's desire as born again Christians. We want to not react, but respond with a tenderhearted mercy and with love and forgiveness. Number four, patience. We have patience with one another. We, as we already said, we haven't arrived yet. And so we all make mistakes. We all don't do uh, things the way we should do. But we thank God that He has patience with us. And so we should have patience with one another. Amen. And then the last of all, the peace of God. Oh man, no matter what's going on, we keep our focus on the Lord. He gives us this peace. And there's, that's probably more valuable than anything to have the peace of God. Okay. Amen. So, to kind of give you a perspective of how we need to stay focused more on eternity instead of our worldly view and allowing the world to creep in and change our way of thinking. I want to try to illustrate in our life today, this is a candy. It's a sugar-free candy. Anyway. But it's a, a candy and it's, it's, you open it up. This is when we're born into this world. And so we have this, this piece of candy. And our whole purpose is, is to try to live our lives where this candy can taste the very best that it can. And so our lives, we, we take a little bit at a time. We want it to last as long as it can. But no matter how bad you want to preserve life, the truth is, you're going to die. No matter what, you're going to die. There's going to be a period, some of us, it's, it's, they say average lifespan is 80 years. Some live closer to 100. And some pass that. Some don't. Some live less. But the whole worldly perspective is to get the best that you can from this life. So I'm going to ask 
my son Tyler to come up and help me illustrate this, this toilet paper. Now I want you to see as this chocolate represents our life and ore right here. So little chocolate is our life. This is a door. And on the other side of the door is eternity. And so Tyler's gonna take that toilet paper and and we're gonna he's gonna stretch it over. Now, if you notice that as far as he's going, this is eternity. The roll is getting smaller, but in eternity it is never going to run out. It is eternal. No matter you can take infinity and multiply it by however many years you want to come up with, you still equal infinity. It's still Forever and ever and ever. Now, why would we spend all of our energy in making this life taste as good as we can, be as good as it can, when we really need to understand this is where our life area is. This is where we will be spending eternity from now on. So, wouldn't it seem appropriate for us to spend more time focusing on eternity instead of focusing on this little one? But yet, a worldly perspective knows that there's a door there, but they don't want to think about it. They don't even want to think about what's on the other side of it. And there's a lot of different opinions about what's on the other side of that door which is death. Death represents the door. And so, what we want to do is live our lives for eternity. Thinking all about what eternity, what it's going to be like. Now, there's no way we can, our mind can't wrap all of that, what it's like. And, you know, there's a lot of, different views on that. But what we can know this is that we will reign with Jesus. It says that we will rise in glory, in Jesus' glory. And so we will be made like Him. So, wouldn't it make sense if we, okay, eternity, I'm going to be transformed and I'm going to be uh, one with Christ. I'm going to think. I'm going to act. I'm going to be able to sit on the throne, judge nations and everything. Because Why? Because I'm one with Christ. I think the way He thinks. When Jesus came on the earth, He thought the way His Heavenly Father thought. He only did and saw what He saw the Heavenly Father do. So what is our mission? Our mission is life to think about what God wants us to do and say here on the earth. We, we put aside all the, the things that the world focus on and making this life be the best that it can be. Instead, we focus on what Christ has for us. Now, in Matthew 25, it talks about the talents. 
God has given us all gifts and talents. Okay, so making this story short, he says that he get to one, he gave five. In the New Living Translation, it says bag of silver. And so you say, does God want money? No. He wants your gifts. He wants your talent. He wants what He has disposed on you. What He has given you. What you are really gifted at. That's what He wants. So, He says, here, I've given you five. Now go and multiply. To another, He says, I give you two. Now go and multiply. And to another, He gave one. Now, the part that I focus on is the one. Why? Because the one didn't do anything. Why? The Scripture says that, He said, I need you to be a harsh man, weeping where you didn't sow. So I went and hid your talent. And here it is. You know, we would make a mistake of devaluing our gifts. Not all of us are called to be Billy Graham. Not all of us are called to be a pastor. The list can go on and on. But we all have a talent that God has given us. And so it is our responsibility is that what we need to focus on is doing what God has called us to do. To expand that gift so that it can be multiplied. So that when Christ turns and says, well, this was my gift and I was able to use this gift to bring so and so and so and so to the Lord. And they and release them in the gifts and talents that you have for them. So we should never devalue our gifts. And as a church body, we need to release those gifts among each other. We need to encourage them. Now I want you to understand the seriousness of this. Yeah, but by the way, this parable was right in between the parable of the Ten virgin, five wise, and five foolish. And then also, at the end, he was called about the final judgment. What it's going to be like in the final judgment. I thought it interesting that this was stuck right in between those two. And he was saying, this is what you will be judged. When we stand before Christ, we'll have to give an account on this. Now this is very serious because when he confronts this wicked, he calls him a wicked and lazy servant because you did nothing. Did you tell him? You went and hide it. You know what he says to him? He says, what I given to him, take it from him and give it to the one that has five. So the one that had, and Scripture goes on and says, who has a lot, more will be given to him when He uses it for God's glory. So in other words, your, your gifts and talents will never run out. They'll continue to grow as far as you will. And that's why I believe Billy Graham came the person that he was. He never gave up. He kept moving forward expanding those, those gifts and talents. Now, here's what it says. Now, this is actually for believers, Christians. And he says, now you wicked and lazy servant cast you into the outer darkness. 
where they'll be reaching and matching you. And so that, I don't know about you, but that is something that we really need to pay attention to. This is serious stuff. We don't want to get over here, across this door and over here, and we're standing before the judgment seat of Christ. And he said, give it a count. What'd you do with it? Uh, I was jealous because you gave some so important. Just really. But my gift just wasn't that important. We don't want to be able to. So all of that thinking should transform into this on this side, this little lifespan. And it's funny how the older we get, the more we start thinking about that. Now, when we're younger, we think, oh man, I got lots of time. No need about this right now. Got plenty of time. But the truth is, and this is what me and Tyler talked a lot about, is that when we come under the authority of Jesus and we become so motivated, encouraged to live our everyday life, please the Lord, and using all of our gifts and talent to spread the gospel. The truth is, the world needs to see this in us. They don't need to see that we're fearful. Not fearful of the things that the world are afraid of. What we are fearful is coming short of the glory of God. What we want is God's presence. Now, please understand, you don't earn your salvation. It's given to you. Well, this is a, a totally thing. By the blood of Jesus, we enter. So, not, this is not about uh, how you get there. It's about what am I going to do to make sure that I'm rewarded for the great things that God has given me? We have a responsibility. We are to be accountable for God's gift and talent. And so, with that, Sarah, I wanted to ask Tyler to come and, and I want him to, this is from a younger perspective. And I, you know, he has been a real miracle to see what God has done in his life. I've always prayed and asked the Lord, Lord, let me see a miracle. And so many times we're so focused on uh, physical healings, physical things that are only temporary. But the greatest miracle of all is one that is effective eternity for all eternity. And so that was a miracle that I got to saw. And I tell you, I weep before the Lord. And I said, thank you, Lord for seeing this miracle in my son. And he is. So I thought I want you to share with us. It is. It has been a miracle what God's done in my life this last year. I've always kind of believed in that stuff. Uh, I never let go of Jesus. And I've always believed in there's more, there's that feeling of there's more that we're here for than it seems like because he's talking about the difference between the worldly perspective and the eternal perspective. And, you know, the scripture says God put eternity in our hearts. And so you always know that there's more. And that's the thing that's always there and kind of letting you know that there's a satisfaction that you you never really feel satisfied in this world. It's because there's there's a deeper reality 
that's the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's funny to think about kingdom because we live in a democracy and I think a lot of us think of a kingdom being not freedom, but I think the reality of the kingdom of heaven is that there's this true freedom when you come under the authority of Jesus, and that's really what I learned. I was asking my nephew on the way to church what I should talk about, and he said donuts. I didn't really know how to put that in there, but um, <laughs> we were listening to the radio, but the guy was saying something about heaven and what's it going to be like in heaven, and we'll be satisfied. And I think that's, that's the thing that you have to just remember. I want to read this. I think maybe you missed a little bit of the beginning, but anyway, I'm reading a different translation, so even if I repeat it. The first couple of verses, this is the Passion Translation. It says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tide of this life, and now your true life is hidden away in God and Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed, for you are now one with him in his glory. And really that's what uh, was attacked for me, was like I went through this sort of existential crisis, and it was just like, who are you? I guess what happens when, I don't know if you guys have gone through this, but like, in your 20s sometime, you have this revelation, and they call it like an ego death, but basically you, you realize I'm not who I thought I was and all this stuff, and so everything kind of, you, have to, you, you start to question everything, and you start to think, who am I if I'm not who I thought I was? And, you know, what happened was, I didn't realize it, because I never let go of Jesus, but I took him off the throne, and the only thing that really Satan has to do to deceive you is to get you to take Jesus off the throne. Because that's the place of authority where he can actually have power to step into your life and to give you those things that you desire, the fulfillment. See, that's what it is. It's, he says, I've come to give you life to its fullness. And that's eternal life. That's the eternal perspective is life to its fullness, and that's what I want, and that's what I desire, but then I'm trying to find it on my own because the world is telling me, who are you? Who are you to say this apart from this other guy? You know, well, the Bible says this. Well, aren't you the one that's saying that the Bible is true? So it's all up to you. And then it's just, if it's up to you and it's up to me and this postmodern thinking that we all have, especially at that time in your life when you're in your late 20s, no wonder there's my generation, a whole generation that is, is searching for meaning because my meaning and your meaning are just head-to-head -head against each other. And you can do that, you know, with reasoning. You can do that with your mind. That's what I got stuck in, basically, is everything had to go through my mind. I had to understand it. I had to know how it worked. And then if I knew how it worked, then I could well, then I understand it. You know, but this eternal reality, this eternal perspective is something that is beyond our control. See, what that really is about is that's based on fear. 
that's based on the ego trying to take control. Uh, I gotta know how it works, and then if I know how it works, I can control it. But that's not freedom, because you're always bound to trying to control things. So what God wants to give you is this freedom that the Holy Spirit brings, but you have to trust Him, you have to put Him on the throne, you have to get back in that place of security. And I really think that that's the key, is just to remember. You know, if you forget who you are, remember who He is. And it says, you don't really have to worry about who you are. I remember I was talking to Judah about these personality tests. And it was like, I was like, I think my personality changes, you know, sometimes. I, I used to be this and now I'm this. And he was just like, well, you know, actually the test is more about understanding and relating to other people than it is about understanding yourself. And that's how we know ourselves. We know ourselves through our relationships with other people. We don't go away and, you know, I, I thought I was going to be some creative genius and like reinvent myself and then emerge and here, this is who I am and, and I'll show you. And you reveal yourself to each other through your relationships. I don't think you have to know yourself. I think you have to know who he is and knowing who he is shows you who you are and there's, it's this relationship and it's this revelation and I think there's a security in that that we're all looking for. The word that I wanted to share really was communion. Um, because Dad was giving me this real good example, or this real good image, of, and it talks about Christ being in us and all of us. And he was talking about the the Trinity, how there are three different persons, but they're all one. And, and he had this image of like light connecting them all because we're sharing his glory, right? So if you can imagine sort of this light coming in from the inside out and unifying us all. And, you know, you hear the president speaking, you hear these words of unity. And I'm just like, I don't like that word, but it's right. But what's a different word? And I think community or communion is a, is a word that I like to hear and to think of. And what does Jesus say? Do this in remembrance of me. You know, it says basically fill your thoughts with the heavenly realities and not the distractions of the natural realm. So we get distracted is what happens. And that's when the fear comes in and the ego control tries to come back in. Even though we've seen through the ego and we know that we really don't have that control that we thought we had. We still, it still comes in and we try to get it because we're distracted. And, and so then we just remember and we bring ourselves back and we say, you know, come under the authority, come back to the place that you know, who you know. You don't have to know how if you know who. You know who and he knows you. I've always thought of life, you know, basically as a navigational problem. <laughs> You know, so that can, you got to recenter yourself and he'll show you. But the biggest thing is you don't really know that's faith, you know. I wanted to use some kind of example of to think of the heavenly realms, but the only thing I could think of is like dimensions. I don't know if any of you have seen Carl Sagan, but he uses like this example of like the flatlands and there's a two-dimensional world. And then objects from three-dimensional world come into the two-dimensional world and they didn't even know that the third dimension existed. 
he was trying to explain the fourth dimension. But like the, heaven, the, the kingdom of heaven is just remembering there's this higher realm and faith is the substance of things unseen. So what you do with faith is you just say, I remember there is a higher realm and you actually make room for God to come in and do the thing. But he has to do it because he has to dictate. He's the one who knows and can understand and is in that higher realm and knows everything that needs to happen. That's what I think his authority is about, is because he sits on that throne, he knows and he can see from that perspective that, we, we, that we're not in. And so he's just saying, trust me, you know, I can see, I can tell you where to go. But, you know, it's no fun if, if I know the ending already, you know. But if I can trust him, he can take me on this adventure and and he can lead me. And I think it's really, you know, about that fulfillment, about the freedom. And when I think about freedom, it's being able to fly, it's being able to go, it's being able to do these things. And, you know, that's what he wants, I think, is he wants to to lead us. You know, that's what God's been telling me, basically, is I have all these gifts for you, you know, you can do all these things, but you have to trust me to do it through you, you know, because... You know, I guess I was afraid that I was doing it on my own power, you know, and and I was criticizing myself and all those things. But he wants you to, he wants me at least to get to the place. This is what I'm working on is, is to where his Holy Spirit is just flowing through me and giving me that freedom and I can trust him that he's leading me and guiding me. And, you know, that's what we're here for, I think, um, to make that decision every single moment, you know. It's a... Uh, the connection to eternity is always now, right here in the present. And I think that's what we just always have to keep keep on coming back to that. Thank you, Tyler. So I want to close with this. There's three things that we can do with our talent and gift. Number one, we can use it for the kingdom. Or number two, we can use it for ourselves to make our life better. If we're, you know, people try to to become great athlete, everything for themselves. They're using their gifts for themselves. Or number three, you can do nothing. And I mean, you know that we don't want to be a part of the last two. We want to be a part of the first one, and we want to use our gifts. That is pleasing to the Lord. So I want to just leave you with this message. Don't get so wrapped up of what's going on around the world. Because that will bring discouragement if we don't, if we're not careful, the worldly viewpoint will creep into the church. And it will start affecting us. And we've got to recognize it and stand against it and say, No, I will not be a worldly-minded person. But I will focus on Jesus and I stand for Jesus. I want to act like Jesus. I want to do what Jesus did. I want to be just like Him in every way. And so we are a representation of Christ. And that's where our focus needs to be. We'll be focused on all the other stuff that the world is focused on. Amen? That's the message.
That's what we as a church need to rise up and be, is to be Christ-like in everything. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, I just thank You for this message, Lord. I thank You, Lord, that You redirect our thinking to be focused on You, Lord. These are something that we know. Lord, this is not a new message. We know these things, Lord. They're instilled in us, Lord, but we need to be reminded as Paul reminded Timothy, focus on your gifts. Focus on what I've called you to do. And so help us as a church body, Lord, to focus on what you called us to do, each one of us, Lord. We are a representation as a body of Christ to represent you in everything, in our actions, the way we think, the way we talk, everything. These to represent you. Lord, I thank you that you're alive and well within this congregation. Lord, I thank you. You're, going, you're a special group of people and you have a special pastor for this congregation. Lord. A special person for a special group of people. And we believe that, Lord, and we we're thank you for it in advance for that person that you're bringing to this congregation. And we just give you all the praise and honor. Amen. Amen. Be encouraged and just love one another and release the gifts in each other.